0: a copy of God's Word. Our ushers will bring one to you if you would like one. Um, Today we will be in Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through, uh, what is it, 31 through 34. Jeremiah Chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. Let me pray for us. Father, we come before you asking that you would reveal what your word says to us. That you would reveal the mystery of the cross. That you would reveal maybe a little bit more of the mystery of your love towards your creation. Father, would you please bless your children today? Would you bless those that are believers? Would you allow them to be encouraged? Would your spirit convict and rebuke where need be? God, would you please awaken the souls of those who believe they're your children? who believe that they're Christians, and would you awaken the souls of those that are far from you? Would you comfort the hurt and the lost? God, please bless this time. I pray this in your son, Jesus' name. Amen. So you may be thinking this morning, well, Today is Easter or Resurrection Sunday, the, the day that we worship specifically thinking about the resurrection of Jesus. What could the Old Testament possibly have to teach us about that? Well, I'm going to read and then we're going to dive right in to why this matters. Verse 31 through 34 says this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant... That they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after these days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying know the lord for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest declares the lord for i will forgive their iniquities and i will remember their sin No more. For the past month and a half, we've been looking at the covenants of God. And today we will be finishing up with the new covenants. After that, we will be looking at the gospel of Luke. But just in case if you're unfamiliar with what the covenant concept within scripture is, the covenant concept is the central unifying thing that establishes and defines God's relationship to man. And so, in the passage that we will be looking at today, we see God establishing a new covenant that is fulfilled in Jesus and demands our worship and obedience. And because of that, because the new covenant is fulfilled in Jesus, he alone, he alone deserves our worship and obedience. Coming to verses 31 and 32, we read, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke. Though I was their husband, declares the Lord. The new covenant is fulfilled in Jesus because... Israel failed to remain faithful to God. And so what we are seeing is God declaring that he is going to establish a new covenant. He tells Jeremiah that he will establish this new covenant. And then he goes into reminding Jeremiah, it will not be like the covenant that I established with your fathers before you. Do you remember that covenant, Jeremiah? The one when I took them out of Egypt, when I freed them from being slaves and brought them to that place. Jeremiah, do you remember that place? Mount Sinai, when Moses and I talked, me establishing this covenant with him, telling him to remember what I have done, freeing you. From slavery. And if Israel, you obey my words and keep my covenant, I will be your God and I will protect you. Oh, but Jeremiah, Jeremiah, they did not keep my covenant with them. Instead, They committed adultery on me. They committed adultery on their husband. Pursuing after false gods. Leaving me. And pursuing my creation. They wanted to worship my creation instead of me, Jeremiah. They broke my covenant with them. we get this perfect illustration in the book of Hosea. Do you know that book in the Old Testament? If not, let me fill in. Hosea was a prophet. The prophet Hosea had a wife, Gomer. And Gomer continued time after time to leave him for other men. But God would tell the prophet Hosea, Go, go to your wife and restore her. Bring her back to you. And one of the main reasons why God is doing this is because he will use this illustration in Hosea's life as a representation of how Israel has acted towards God. Continuing to leave him, continuing to leave their first love. The one who freed them from slavery, to stray and worship after the creation instead of worshiping the Creator. They were given the covenant. Israel was given this covenant to enter into a marriage with their holy Creator. And instead, they pursued after false gods, after false gods, which would not satisfy them. And oh, lest we point the finger this morning and say, look at those Israelites. We continue to pursue the same thing. In Romans 1, we are told that the glory of God has been revealed to all mankind. Through his creation. But yet his creation from birth. Pursues to worship the creation. Rather than the creator. Ah. But you may be saying right now to yourself. Max I don't worship nature. Well I'm not only talking about nature. Nature. Do you worship the creation of politics? Do you worship the creation of money or status or sex? Do you worship the creation of comfort, maybe gossip, clothes, cars, fancy things? Oh, we are no different worshiping other false gods. They just looked a little different back then. And so, because Israel did not fulfill their end of the covenant, straying time and time again, God then tells Jeremiah, I will establish a new covenant. Verses 33 through 34 say, this is the covenant, Jeremiah, that I will make with the house of Israel. After these days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them. And I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God. And they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his Neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. The new covenant is fulfilled in Jesus so that we could have the Holy Spirit and that the law would be written on our hearts. What we are seeing God spell out for us in these two verses is the new covenant, is the promised seal of the Holy Spirit. Verse 33, God tells Jeremiah that now the law that was given to them at Mount Sinai, that external law, the law, Jeremiah, that I had taken my finger and wrote on those stone tablets would now be an internal law that I would write on their hearts. And because I will write it on their hearts, Jeremiah, they will be my people and I will be their God. But how can this be? How can the law go from outside to inside? Well, there's a few passages that help us out in this. Ezekiel 11:19 19 and 20 say, And I will give them one heart, says God, and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. Oh, and then we come to Acts 2 verse 33. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has Poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. So, what is the outcome of the Holy Spirit indwelling in you? What is the outcome of this promised one coming and indwelling in you? It's obedience because the law has been now written on your heart. Isn't it amazing? If you are in here and you are a believing Christian, isn't it amazing that the sins you once never cared about now makes you sick? Here's an even better question to maybe ask. Do your sins make you sick? Has God written his law on your heart? You used to get angry, but now you can't stand it when you do. You used to lust after men and women. But now you hate that. You used to be a lover of money, but now you want to give it away. You used to gossip and slander. But now you feel this sense of guilt that you've hurt somebody's feelings when they don't even know that you've said what you've said. It is because the Holy Spirit has written God's law on your hearts. And what once only grieved God and not you, now it grieves you because you know it grieves God. And why is that? Because God has taken his finger and written his law on your hearts. But how is it that the law is written on our hearts? We see God establishing a new covenant because Israel couldn't keep the old covenant. We can't work enough to earn our favor with God. We can't earn enough and work hard enough to write. The law of God on our heart. It must take a miracle for the law of God to be written on our heart so we can obey. And oh, we will see this. Because before the promise of the Holy Spirit being sent. Before the promise of the Holy Spirit coming. There would be a much greater event that must take place. And as we continue forward in this passage, we come to verse 34, which God is telling them that they would no longer have to teach his neighbor, reminding him. So maybe you're thinking this is outside of sermon notes. Maybe you're thinking, so that means I don't have to teach. That means I can just be a passenger. No, that means because the Holy Spirit is now in you, and your brother or sister No longer it's you constantly remembering them or reminding them and reminding them and reminding them. See, when during Jeremiah's time, the priests and Levites would have to continually go to the people and tell them, remember what God has done, remember what God has done, but because we have the Spirit of God in us, He reminds us what he has done. And we should remind each other, please don't hear me saying we shouldn't. Oh, we should. But now God does not see partiality. He doesn't look at the poor and the outcast and say, no, the rich and educated need to remind you. Oh no, now we as a family can remind each other, no matter your education, no matter your class, no matter where you stand in society, because the Spirit of God is indwelling in your heart, we can mutually encourage each other in the faith. But let me step back in to the the sermon notes before I start going somewhere else. At the end of verse 34, we see, the most incredible thing. God tells Jeremiah, for I will forgive their iniquities and I will remember their sin no more. And so you may be thinking right now, well, how can you be so sure that this new covenant is fulfilled in Jesus? Doesn't say Jesus' name? Well, let's look at Luke 22:19 through 20. Jesus says this, "This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup. After they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant. When Jesus is telling his disciples at the Passover meal what is about to happen, he is telling them about his death, burial, resurrection. Jesus is telling them that he is to be sacrificed for the sins of people so that the law could be written on their hearts. This is the good news. This is the good news of the gospel. The new covenant is fulfilled in and through Jesus. And because of this, he alone deserves our worship and obedience. But how and why? How and why does Jesus deserve our worship and obedience? Well, I will start with the why Jesus deserves our worship. Jesus deserves our worship because he fulfills the new covenant and in doing so, actually fulfills all other covenants as well. Let's look back. The promise with Adam and Eve. Jesus is the offspring that would come from the woman who would bruise the head of the serpent by dying and defeating death and sin, living a perfect life. Unlike the first Adam being tempted and falling into that temptation, Jesus would be the offspring, the perfect offspring that would be tempted yet not sin. Oh, and if we look at the next covenant, the covenant with Noah, God would not judge the world again by sending another flood, but instead he would judge the world by sending his son who would bear all the judgment of the world. Can you think of this? In a matter of six hours, Jesus would take on the wrath and judgment that would take an eternity for you and I to experience We come to the covenant with Abraham as Jesus is the offspring that would be a blessing blessing to all nations. Welcoming them into the family of God. No longer would Israel just have a unique relationship with God, but because Jesus would be the blessing to all the nations. Now, we as Gentiles can also have a relationship with God. If we look to Moses and Israel... And the covenant God establishes with him and them. We see God establishing the Ten Commandments which they could not keep. Oh, but Jesus would come and he would fulfill the righteous requirement of the law, never sinning, becoming the perfect sacrifice and the perfect mediator for our sins. Oh, brothers and sisters, what a weight it is when we look to our own works as justification for our righteousness in front of God. Are you here this morning weighed down? Are you here this morning burdened with sin? believing that your good works is what makes you right with God. We are seen in this covenant that God makes with Moses that we cannot fulfill that burden Oh, but Jesus can and Jesus has. If we look to the next covenant, the covenant with David, David says that he would build a house for the Lord, but God says, no, I will build a house for you. Jesus would build an everlasting throne and kingdom by establishing it forever, building a house, welcoming all of his children into that so that if you repent of your sins and believe in Jesus, you could be a co-heir to the kingdom. And we see, we see with this last covenant, the new covenant, which is fulfilled in Jesus. Which ultimately he sends the Holy Spirit to write the law on our hearts so that we could obey him. So why do we worship Jesus as our great king? Because all of it is about Jesus. And in case, and just in case you are still unsure what Jesus has done, Jesus, the Son of God, would come to earth. He would be the fulfillment of all the covenants by living a perfect life. Dying on the cross, raising three days later, being seated at the right hand of the Father for all those who call out in repentance and faith would have everlasting life with him. Jesus comes to take the burden away. Now is the time. Now is the time to believe that, to put your faith in that, This is why we gather today and this is why we gather on Sundays is to remember this great promise that there has not been one person who has genuinely come to Jesus that he has casted out and there is not one person who is a son or daughter that he will let loose. You have been sealed with the Holy Spirit and will be brought to full completion. So then how do we obey him? If Jesus is our great king, how will we obey him? Well, we obey him by loving God and loving our neighbors. We love God by reading his word. You can't enter into a relationship and then just not get to know somebody. If God is really All that matters in your life. Have you developed your relationship with him? Or are we just Sunday believers that come in to church on Sundays, act like we have it together, but leave knowing we don't? Do you pursue prayer to God? Do you pursue meditation over his word? Do you pursue To love God by being a disciple who makes disciples. By fighting sin and temptation. This is how we love God. Showing every day. That we have been transformed by him. So we live for him. And lastly we love our neighbors by taking care of them. We take care of them as if now they are our family. Think about it. Think about all the times that you've used Jesus' grace and love, and yet he still continues to love us daily. Now we are to exhibit that type of love. Do you help the helpless? Do you care for the sick? Do you clothe the poor? Are we a church that does that? Do we look to the spiritual outcast, those that maybe seem a little weird and take them in listening to them? I'm glad you guys took me in because I'm pretty weird. <laughs> but do we do this? Do we love our neighbors as Jesus has loved us? This means both Christians and non-Christians. Because Jesus is the fulfillment of the new covenant. We should be worshiping him. And loving our neighbors. No one but Christ is perfect. And that is good news. But because of what he has done for us. That means now we worship him and obey him. Jesus is the fulfillment of the new covenant. He is the fulfillment because we could never keep our end of the deal. No one, I'll say it again, no one but Christ is perfect. And because of that, he came to earth, died to take our iniquities away and to throw our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. And now the law is written on our hearts. If you do not know this great Savior, I would ask and plead contemplate. Contemplate what was just said today. It is a huge deal. We should be constantly working out our salvation with fear and trembling knowing that we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. So let us go from here, loving God and loving our neighbors. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to live a perfect life, die on that crucifixion and rise three days later so that we could be brought back to you. Would you encourage those that are weary? Would you rebuke those that are proud? And if there are any souls in here that are lost, would you save them, please? We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.